The Vote 2018 podcast is brought to you by First Amendment Media, creators of the Vote 2018 podcast and deep reporting with Rex Carlin. Head on over to firstamendmentmedia.com to check out all the past episodes of both shows and to sign up for the Morning Rex, our email newsletter that launches March 26th. We're really excited about the Morning Rex, so sign up. It's totally free and will be the most content-diverse newsletter you'll ever sign up for. That's the Morning Rex newsletter on firstamendmentmedia.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at the handles at 1-S-T-A-M-E-N-D media. That's at First Amend Media and at Rex Carlin. That's at R-E-X-C-A-R-L-I-N for links to all the latest podcast episodes and more. Today I'm joined by Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reporter Bill Glauber to discuss the 2018 Wisconsin Senate race featuring Democratic incumbent Tammy Baldwin and two Republican challengers, each looking to flip the seat back to the GOP. Let's get started. Let's first start off with the incumbent Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin. Could you tell us a little bit about how she's perceived in Wisconsin, what her approval rating is like, and sort of what the what the outlook is on her going into this re-election campaign? Well, Tammy Baldwin has been around politics for quite a long time. She is from uh, the liberal bastion of Madison. Uh, she's been in politics since her early 20s. Uh, as probably people know, she is the first openly gay member of the U.S. Senate. Um, she served in Congress, the House of Representatives, for several terms, and then in 2012, she defeated former Governor Tommy Thompson in a in a very tough race, and that got her to the U.S. Senate. And it's now the end of her first term, so of course she's running for re-election in a transformed political landscape here in Wisconsin. Before we jump into the uh, Republican challenger. Why is this race considered so close? On all those lists where uh, they list the, the Senate seats that have a chance of flipping to the other party, this race is, is listed. So for in a world where all these races that aren't supposed to be going towards Democrats are getting much closer, and in the case of the Pennsylvania 18th and the Alabama Senate race, they're actually flipping to Democrats. Why does this race have the opportunity or the potential to flip the other way? Well, as I said, it is a transformed political landscape here in Wisconsin. Let's go back to 2010. That year, Governor Scott Walker was elected a Republican along with uh, a legislature in, in total Republican control. They uh, took conservative uh, principles, ideals, and reforms. They ran with it. They uh, cut down the public sector unions, and that changed the landscape here. There was a brief hurrah for the Democrats in 2012 when Baldwin won and Barack Obama won. But since then, it really has been all Republican all the time. Uh, it's still considered a purple state, but uh, Tammy Baldwin is really the uh, the last statewide Democrat left standing, and uh, Republicans are out to turn the state completely red, and uh, that's really what's what's at play. 
play here and what's at stake here. So there is a sense of an opportunity for a Republican pickup. As you may recall, Donald Trump won in this state in 2016. Hillary Clinton never campaigned here during the general election. Trump came back time and time again, put it in the Republican column. You also have Scott Walker running for re-election this year, so you kind of have a double going on. You have Walker seeking his third term, and you have Baldwin seeking her second term, and uh, the sense is that both could win, it's possible, but uh, there's also the idea that, uh, you know, that if Walker wins, it could be very difficult for Baldwin. Depends on uh, Walker's advantage as far as uh, what that would do with Baldwin. So there's a lot at play, a lot at stake here. Now, what does the Republican lineup look like for this upcoming primary? Well, right now, the primary is in August. Uh, Prior to the primary, there will be a uh, Republican Party convention, and that's where Leah Vukmir, who is a state senator, will be uh, vying for the convention's endorsement, and she is taking on Kevin Nicholson, uh, an outsider. That's at least how he's portraying himself. Uh, he's 40 years old. He uh, is a former U.S. Marine. He's a rather a U.S. Marine veteran, and he's a businessman from Delafield, a former Democrat turned Republican. That's the lineup as it stands now. There is a chance there could be a third candidate. Eric Hovde, a Madison businessman. Hovde finished second to Tommy Thompson in the 2012 GOP primary. As far as looking down the political spectrum, where would these two candidates fall? I know you just said Kevin Nicholson, former Democrat turned Republican. This is a this is a campaign that is playing on the right. Uh, this is a this is a now a conservative Republican Party, and uh, moderates uh, really are few and far between in between in in this version of the Republican Party in Wisconsin. So this is a race on the right, uh, both staking out positions on the right. Nicholson is trying to assure bedrock Republicans that he's one of them. Uh, he's hawkish on military foreign policy issues. Uh, they're all in on the tax cut by, by the Trump administration and the Republicans. Very much down the line Republican, and that's where Leah Vukmir is, a down the line conservative Republican. Uh, the the uh, pro-life uh, issues are going to be very important in the Republican contest. Both are saying they are uh, adamantly pro-life. Nicholson is is trying to uh, tell Republican voters that he ch- changed from Democrat to Republican through life experience, his service in the Marines in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq, as well as his marriage and three children. He, he you know, sort of uh, life smacked him in the face and he went from being a Democrat to a conservative Republican. What kind of response has he gotten from the constituency, from the people he's trying to get votes from, of that well, that's decision? An that, that's, that's actually sort of interesting. In the last Marquette University Law School poll, first of all, very few people know about either candidate, even though Vukmir has been here in southeast Wisconsin around Milwaukee. She's been a very prominent figure, but statewide, relative unknown, the same with Nicholson. However, among those who say they're going to vote in the Republican primary, 
49% said they don't know who they're going to vote for. About 28% said uh, Nicholson, and about 10 points further back was Vukmir. So Nicholson has, has made some inroads. He's gotten his name ID up, and he's made inroads in a part of the state that uh, the, the northeastern part of the state around Green Bay, uh, it's a swing area, or used to be. It's very important for Republicans. So he's made some inroads there. So people who see the ads that, you know, his campaign's not paying for, but a super PAC is, they like what they see, and consequently, he's gaining some traction. Vukmir is sort of with the the, the, he's, she's an ally of Governor Scott Walker. Uh, the governor has not uh, endorsed in this race. However, the governor's wife has endorsed uh, uh, Vukmir, and uh, the governor's younger son works on the Vukmir campaign. So she, I would say, uh, right now is, is positioning herself as an ally of Walker, as a Republican you know, as a Republican you've fought with for some of these reforms, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting contest. Now, what is the vibe in this Republican primary? Are, there, are, are both these candidates just trying to get through the Republican primary and play it sort of a we'll worry about it when we get there sort of deal for the general? Or how does that work? Because what well, we've been. Here's t- well, here's how it's working now. They're in an interesting space in this race. And that is they are both vying to get the endorsement of the Republican Party convention in May. And what that endorsement does, it doesn't win you the primary, but what it does is it gets you the party infrastructure behind you. To get that, you have to get 60% of the delegate vote. So right now, what they've been doing for, for months now is going around the state, speaking to Republican Party caucuses, uh, going uh, to uh, social gatherings with Republicans, trying to gain the support of the grassroots. And that's really where the campaign is at. They're talking to the grassroots. They're talking to uh, talk radio. Uh, it's, it's more of a, I would say, it's a lower key, lower publicity campaign because they're trying to get through that first hurdle, which is the Republican party uh convention then after the convention i think everything will become more public both campaigns will probably go on the air and then they're going to try to reach the broader electorate heading into that august primary and then after august one will win one will lose and then uh, it's on to the general election against tammy baldwin what are some of the local issues or statewide issues that could sway an undecided voter in this race, whether it be in the Republican primary or in the general? What are people waiting to see what these candidates might have to say on a given topic? Well, I think in the Republican Party, uh, it's it's essentially people are sizing up Vukmir and Nicholson. They're, they're aligned on the issues for, for all intents and purposes, as we know now. And now it's a question of can Nicholson break through, uh, prove that he is the fresh face and that, yes, he was once a Democrat, but he's really a Republican now. For Vukmir, it's to try to, to convince voters that she's one of them and that if they want to take the policies of Governor Scott Walker, what she calls the Wisconsin way to Washington, that they should elect her. Uh, Neither one has lit a fire yet. Um, It's sort of down in the weeds a little bit since they're with these party caucuses, but that's really what they're trying to do. 
On the other hand, Tammy Baldwin is running a more public campaign. She's already gone on air with a couple of ads, and she's running a fairly interesting race at this point. Uh, she's she's running on a, an idea of buy America um, in terms of you know uh, as far as these foreign trade deals. If you do deals with America, you got to buy American steel, American iron. Trying to put herself and you know on the same side as Donald Trump on this issue. To be quite honest. Um, you know, she was not, uh, you know, publicly or adamantly opposed to the tariffs imposed by uh, by Trump. Uh, wanted uh, wanted him to get tougher on on Chinese cheating. I think is is how she referenced it. Um, so you know, she's running a from you know going from the left trying to move to the center. The other two at this stage are still going to the right as they try to appeal to the base. Tammy Baldwin obviously has the Democratic base. She's trying to get um, uh, the support of, of the broader middle and, and independence. There is one major local issue so far, and that is the Toma VA. There was a scandal up there with overprescription of opioids. Uh, Republicans uh, charged that uh, Baldwin sat on a report and that uh, subsequently a, uh, a, a, a Marine veteran, a veteran died up there. Uh, Baldwin has acknowledged that there were some problems with her staff, and uh, she has gone and uh, sponsored um, legislation that passed, named after the young man who died, Jason Simkakoski, to try to alleviate the opioid crisis within the veterans' uh, uh, hospital system. So it's that's the one issue that locally plays here, or is at least a local issue here, that people may not know nationally. You referenced uh, President Trump winning in Wisconsin in 2016. What has been the reception to his first year in office in Wisconsin? Is there any polling on that? And and depending on that answer, it, could that sway the election one way or the other? Are people doubling down their support? Are there some people who might be uh, their support might be waning? What is that like in Wisconsin right now? Well, right now his favorability is about 43 percent. So a little higher than the national average, uh, and that's the, you know the, the same thing happened with Obama, where he he was more viewed more favorably in Wisconsin than nationally. That didn't stop Democrats from getting wiped out in 2010. Here, I don't know what the what the Trump effect will be here just yet. We have a ways to go. Things in Washington may get a little crazier. How how that'll affect the uh, the the state mood will 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 play out. Uh, Trump maintains popularity here, though, especially among Republicans. 89% of Republicans say they like the job he's doing. Only 9% of Democrats like the job he's doing. So, you know, these stark divides nationally play out here in Wisconsin. Also, uh, the polling showed that uh, Democrats were uh, a, a, a bit more, well, actually, a lot more enthused about going to the polls than Republicans. If that gap doesn't close, it could it could spell some difficulties for the Republicans. As we wrap up here, last couple questions, two part question. I guess the first one: What do does the Republican challenger, whoever that may be, what do they need to do to win Wisconsin? Do they need to dominate Milwaukee? Do they need to go across the state and get to all these communities? What is that dynamic like in Wisconsin? 
Well, in Wisconsin, the dynamic for Republicans is to win what's called the WOW counties, Waukesha, Ozaki, and Washington counties. They are around Milwaukee. And then to do really burn it up outstate, which is where Trump did very well in the last election. He brought people to the polls that, uh, you know, Nobody had no, nobody realized they were there. So it's going to be the same sort of uh, uh, get out the vote operation for um, for uh, the Republicans. Uh, Baldwin Baldwin, by contrast, she has to turn out Milwaukee more than Milwaukee turned out in uh, 2016. At least you know as far as the election goes, there were about what's called 40,000 disappearing votes in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, the Democrats got 40,000 fewer votes in the Milwaukee area in 2016 as opposed to 2012. Now, 2012 was an astonishing re-election year for Obama where they got everybody out. And uh, the, the Baldwin campaign knows they, they have to do better in Milwaukee uh, than Hillary Clinton did and, uh, you know, drive the vote out. They're also trying to make inroads outstate. She's been doing a lot of appearances in the northern part of the state. Uh, trying to show that uh, she's one of them, and uh, it will be interesting to see if if that can work for her. And finally, what is fundraising like right now? What are the numbers? Is the is whoever comes out of this Republican primary going to be strapped for the general, or is there going to be national money coming in? Uh, I mean, it sounds like obviously this is going to be a, a pretty popular race to follow across the country. So, money maybe not going to be a problem in this race. I don't think money's going to be a problem. Money's already pouring in about uh, the Koch brothers network has spent already spent about five million dollars groups aligned or groups supported by a uh, Illinois businessman named Richard Uline who owns a business up here in Wisconsin called Uline. Uh, his, the groups that he backs have already spent $4 million. They're all in for Kevin Nicholson. He has a pack that's all in for Kevin Nicholson. Uh, Baldwin has also received millions of dollars in outside spending, not as much, probably being outspent two to one at this point. But Baldwin is, uh, is a a very good fundraiser, it, it appears, and uh, she uh, is well ahead of the other two in fundraising, and uh, this will easily break the record for a Senate race here in Wisconsin. They spent about 80, 81 million in 2012, and uh, this is going to be far more, I believe, uh, especially if if uh, Eric Hubdi enters the race on the Republican side So in, for a primary. So there's going to be no shortage of cash coming into Wisconsin. By the end of this, I can imagine people are people are going to be not not interested in watching TV. Well, not interested in watching TV and maybe not interested in being on the internet either. There's going to be a high high digital component here uh, targeting people, uh, you know, on their computers and smartphones, and uh, you know that spending is going to be very difficult to keep track of. But it's already pouring in here on the digital side uh and obviously direct mail plays a role here too um a lot of direct mail and uh so i think people are going to know who these candidates are by november thank you so much for coming on and where can we find your work where can we follow you as this race moves forward get all the latest info well my twitter handle is at bill Glauber capital B-I-L-L-G-L-A-U-B-E-R. 
and uh, I work for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, jsonline.com, jsonline.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're officially on iTunes, so subscribe and listen there at hashtag Vote2018, or you can follow the SoundCloud channel, hashtag Vote2018, and remember to head over to FirstAmendmentMedia.com to check out episodes from Deep Reporting with Rex Carlin and sign up for the Morning Rex newsletter. Deep Reporting with Rex Carlin is now also on iTunes, so subscribe, share, and rate over there as well. Follow us on Twitter on the handles at First Amend Media, that's at 1-S-T-A-M-E-N-D Media, and at Rex Carlin, that's at R-E-X-C-A-R-L-I-N on Twitter for all the latest information. I'm Rex Carlin, and you've been listening to the Vote 2018 podcast.